welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and back with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Back from Jamaica, man. Jamaica, man. Yeah, man. How many times I heard that was out of control? Like, because that's actually just, it's, yeah. It's like Canada and A. Like, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Except really dope. <clears throat> yeah. I would rather hear that than A. A. Yeah. Nothing against the Canadians out there. No, absolutely I mean, not. My, my mom's yeah, from I'm Toronto, on. so but I it, can spot it out so much easier because my grandma's from Toronto, Papa, Grandma, or my mom and everything. And it's easy. Like, I've, I've done that on calls and stuff mm-hmm. or, like, talk to people. I'm like, you from Canada? Like, yeah, how did you know? I don't feel like I have much of an accent. I was like, just, like, a couple words you say that I immediately am like, you're Canadian. Oh. I know it. I don't say them. Yeah. But it's interesting that you can uh, identify that. It's just the like A is a big one um, about what they say about. That's a big one. Sorry instead of sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a big one. Sorry. Um, was, I remember my mom she say bloody, and I was like, is that Canadian? I feel like that's Scottish. No, that's like, get in your bloody bed. It's, it's European. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember her saying that. I would be like, that was as bad as curse words got for her. Yeah, bloody, <laughs> which was not bad because she doesn't oh. yell, but. Well, I've come to a conclusion that this is my new voice, so. Yeah, dude, you're just permanently <laughs> bronchitis or something. No, just vocal. Just smoking a ton of cigars lately. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's more of a radio voice, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. It is. It's kind of raspy. Know you know, Becca is a, our friend's yeah. wife is a speech therapist. Mm-hmm. She was uh, telling me last night, if I blow, if I get a straw and blow bubbles into a glass of water and and go like high pitch, low p- pitch for like two yeah. or three minutes and move the pitch up and down two or three times a day, it'll help your voice. Whoa, weird. Help your voice? What? Recover? Come back? Yeah, wow. recover. Like it's like working your hmm. vocal cords. Or yeah, something. something like that. Blakely just figured out how to do that. Blow Little bubbles? It. Like, I mean, she just realized one day when drinking like a Capri Sun or something yeah. that she could blow back in there and yeah. it would make bubbles. And now okay. everything, just blowing, just bubbles and chocolate milk, water. Oh, yeah. It's like, fuck. It's, it's fun. It is fun. But <laughs> I got to teach her the, did you ever do the straw into the armpit thing? You know when people would like go like this? Yeah, 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 I can never do that. Oh. I put a straw from my mouth to my armpit and you just blow and it makes farting noises. Never have done that. Yeah. I just could always do this. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do that. Oh. So I'll teach her that one soon. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad you're back, man. All right. Well, I did a podcast I sent to you, so you obviously know, but I think it was just Monday motivation. I almost felt weird yeah. doing the podcast because I was like, man, I haven't recorded in over a week. Yeah. It was weird. So it feels like it's been a minute, but we're going to do a Q&A today. The win, win the day one. That's the one I sent you. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. We got a lot of different questions from the last week or two on here. We'll get through as many as possible. So we'll start off the first one from J. Dirk Adams. It says, this is a two-part question. Where do I begin with becoming a personal trainer coach? Seems that there are a million avenues, some being very formalized and others not so much. You've got people who dedicated their time in college and studying this stuff and also people who have zero formal experience that dive into it as well. Is that the end of it? I don't know. He said it's a two-part question. I've I've always had a passion for training and I've had the idea of being a personal trainer slash coach for some time. What can I do or what are some... 
What are the hard questions to ask myself to determine if this would be a worthwhile pursuit for me? That's a one-part question. What should you do as a person who is in the beginning of their career contemplating whether or not they should be jumping into this, basically? So part one is where do I begin with with becoming a personal trainer yeah. coach? Self-education and uh, literal experience. So I think that – and here's the thing, too, is I had a conversation with a client about this the other day. And, and you know what? Uh, I just keep thinking Lil Durk. That's a rapper. But um, Lil Durk, he's in uh, – uh, laugh now, cry later. I know. Yeah. His name is Jay Dirk, right? Nope. The question you just asked. Oh, oh, oh. His name is Jay Dirk. Yep, yep. Yeah, and I thought of Lil Dirk. Okay. Um, but the first thing, you actually did something really great. And this is actually very ironic because I haven't read any of these questions at all. I haven't even reviewed them yet. And uh, I just looked at my notifications and my emails, and Jay Dirk just signed up for coaching mm. with, I think it was Brian. I might be mistaken but i'm pretty sure it was brian so you right off the gate you did something very smart which is hire somebody to take over your training and nutrition which means that you're you're going out of your way to see how it's done now you get a first world experience of seeing how does a coach operate like brian is a full-time career coach everybody on my team is so you can see how a full-time career coach works lives acts communicates programs prescribes coaches and you can kind of try to put yourself in those shoes and be like is that something i want to do you know, and you also get the first, you know, the real person experience of being coached. So you can put yourself in your future client shoes and say, is that the kind of people I want to work with? Like, is this something I want to do? Because I want to influence people the way Brian is influencing me, for example. So you're doing something very, very intelligent there. The next thing is if you didn't go to college for it, that's okay. You can self-educate, right? I went to school for this and there's different levels of schooling, right? Like, so speaking of Brian again, Brian went to university. He got a CSCS. He has some of the highest qualifications for the stuff. CSCS, CISSN. He's a very well-educated and certified and credentialed dude. Um, Brian's getting mad kudos on this one. And uh, I went to community college. So I went to something that was half the time that Brian went to and isn't as high of a qualification. In fact, most community colleges don't even fucking have a fitness program. Um, My college is, the college I went to is one of the only ones in the country um, and it's, it was extremely good cause it was more, in my opinion, more practical to personal training than exercise science. A lot of people go to bachelor's or master's anything. It's usually in sports psychology, exercise science. I believe Brian's is in exercise science and he has a, um, minor in sports psychology, but I might be completely butchering that. Brian, you can, re- you can correct me. I know he has a, a background of psychology and I want to say it was exercise science, but there's a couple general kinesiology like degrees but that's more of the science, right? Whereas what I went to school for was more of the practicality. Totally. So I, didn't, I had an exercise science class, but it didn't go as in-depth because they have multiple exercise science classes. I had a business of personal training, safety of personal training, program design, functional movement screen, a whole class dedicated to program design. Most colleges do not do that. So I feel really blessed that I got to go to a place that did more practical stuff for trainers. But even then, if I look back... It connected a lot of dots for me. It definitely introduced me to a lot of people. Um, one of the biggest things I got out of school was just the connections I made through my teacher and the educator, the director of education there. Um, but man, shit, like there's textbooks you can just go buy. 
Yeah. You know, there's certifications you can go do. There's there's books that have nothing to do with exercise science per se that you can go get. Uh, Max Muscle Bible, Muscle and Strength Pyramids, Fat Loss Forever if you want to go the nutrition route. Um, the Juggernaut books like uh, Scientific Principles of Strength Training. Uh, RP's books of Scientific Principles of Hypertrophy. Um, the Recovery Manual. Practical Programming. Like I could just keep going on and on. There are so many books that can teach you. And there's seminars and webinars and certification courses. There's just so much stuff you can do. So self-study is, is honestly the majority of everything anyway. Any person listening to this has gone a four-year degree route is also going to say, on top of that, I still had to go read these programming books and go to these seminars and stuff because they won't teach that in school. So just because you didn't go to college doesn't mean you're, you're shit out of luck. I think you're still in a great place. Self-study is huge. Getting experience like you are with a coach is huge. And then train your friends for free. Get some people to work out with you. That was huge for me. Like I used to, when I started like really getting this stuff, I lifted at a place called Vision Quest who went out of business. Um, remember the one that was at the super mall? Mm-hmm. That, it was that one. And uh, Chris, Jalen, um, there was a couple other people. Shit, after a while, Travis Pierce. Like there was just random people I knew that I would just like end up purposely working out at the same time as them and be like, yo, can you want to run through my, my session with me or can I train you while I train? And I was just taking them through stuff so I could test out programming and exercise cues and just try to help them. Yeah. And I was training people for free. Um, and you know you're doing it well when the people that work there start coming up to you and like, hey, you can't do that. And I'm like, bro, these are just my friends. Like, I'm just working out with my my boys. Like, you can't say shit about that. I'm charging. Nobody's paying me. Yeah. Um, but that's really what started giving me experience. So you can do all that before you even go, you know, do anything at all. And then the other side of it is, you know, your, your question of like, is like figuring out if this is really what you want to do, you'll know. Yeah. You start doing all the things I'm talking about, you'll know. If you try to sit down and read a book on programming and it's like pulling teeth, put the book away, grab a different book on coaching. Yeah. If it's still like pulling teeth, it's not the right thing for you. Period. If you're not excited to learn the shit that's in the book, after two books, and I say two books because if you open a book and the author is just dry as fuck, like I get it. Sometimes it's hard. But if you can't get excited to learn and like keep pursuing it, it's probably not for you. And that's yeah. okay. Like there's a million careers out there. Doing one doesn't make you better than doing another. It just, you just got to find out what's right for you. So start engulfing yourself in the self-knowledge side of things and you'll know right away. If it's for you, it's for you. If it's not, just put it away. Totally. Yeah. We'll go to the second part here. It says, what are some of the hardest questions you ask yourself mm. and what he should ask himself to determine if it would be worthwhile pursuit? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, uh, to be honest with you, my answer is probably going to be different than what you think. I think you should avoid asking yourself the questions because you're going to self-sabotage yourself. Mm. Like, if I think about the questions people were trying to influence me to ask myself, it would be something along the lines of, like, will this support me financially? If I got too invested in that, the the statistics are simple. No. (laughs) Personal trainers aren't wealthy by any means. So if I was going to go down that route of worrying about that, I probably would have backed out. Um am I going to be good enough? I would have backed out. Will I have the education level? I would have backed out because I didn't have as high of an education level as a lot of people. And that was an insecurity for me. I was younger and I didn't have a, a four-year degree. And a lot of people I was with were older and had four-year degrees. And I felt like I was inferior because of them. But I just ignored asking myself questions like that. Yeah, you had an extreme interest. Yeah, So exactly. So if you put yourself into the workouts and into the training, into the coaching, into the books... And you can't stop trying to consume more information around it. You don't need to ask yourself shit. Yeah. You're in the right place. Totally. You know? Cool. 
All right, we will move on to the next one. Next one's from Kimberly McDermott One. She says, "I am struggling to improve my chin ups. I seem to be stuck on six to seven each set for four sets. Should I do weighted ones or try for half reps once I am fatigued? I am in phase two of female power building. Thank you, Cody." This is where I would go outside of the program a little bit. So whatever the program has for chin-ups in that phase, because it's different depending on what week you're on, um, I would I would tweak it a little bit and then add a couple days of chin-ups. So basically, for example, if you have a – if it's uh, four sets of five to ten reps on chin-ups, then what I would do is go, all right, five to ten, you're going to go body weight as many as you can. And then another day of the week, you're going to do – jackknife chin-ups where you have assistant or banded assisted but i like jackknife better wide grip you can get in a good angle and go super fucking slow so you're controlling the movement patterns and then have one day where you're doing weighted and you're just doing negatives so kind of jump up but have a load with you and control the negative as slow as you can for low reps so now i have uh, assisted chin-ups for high fatigue so i can crank out 10 to 20 reps with perfect form which is huge then i have a, a day where i'm just pushing myself and i'm going as many as i can body weight and then i have a day where i'm doing eccentrics so you're either loading it and going super slow on the eccentric or you're if, if you can't do much weight at all just do an, a jump so you jump up off a box and control down as slow as possible which we have a video for on the Taylor trainer youtube video you can see it's called box assisted chin-ups um but now you have three days a week of doing chin-ups with different intensities and volume sets, and you're going to improve. One totally. of the days is, is more assisted, so you can work on form. One day is an overload principle, doing the negatives. One day is just testing your, your concentric potential, which is just maxing out. Um, and this is ultimately what you do for anything you want to get better at. When yeah. people are like, I really want to – I used to do this with women. I get all the time that said they want bigger glutes. Cool. We're training glutes three times a week. You're doing three days a week of hip thrusts, and we're doing high rep, moderate rep, low rep with heavy weight simple right we still do hip abductions different movements but yeah. working on a key movement and then really progressing on it in three different ways keep keeping the in frequency high so the volume's higher and then i'm working different intensities on each time i do it um somebody comes to me with a bench press goal same thing dumbbell bench press one day barbell bench press another day incline press another day different intensities different tempos you're just changing the way you're going about it with a high frequency so you're getting those touch points more often yeah good all right, there you go, Kimberly. So we'll go on to Jordan Vigil. Better to eat your calories in non-whole foods or under-eat in whole foods? Love that question. Repeat it one more time. Is it better to eat your calories in non-whole foods or under-eat in whole foods? So I think he's saying meet your calories in whole, all whole foods or under-eat. No, 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 no. To Vice meet, versa, yeah. Yes, to meet your calories in non-whole foods. Depends on your goal. Well, and then I wonder if he means a portion of whole foods. Like, are you doing some non? And well, some? I think what, because we see this, this a lot with people gaining. So they're trying to gain weight. And so they're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I have to hit 3,000 calories. And it, it's hard for me to eat more than 2,500 calories because I'm eating vegetables and potatoes and fruit and lean yeah. meats. And those are foods that are high volume, high satiation, low calorie. So a chicken breast is relatively low calorie, but it's very filling because it's high protein. It's lean. It's, it's dense. So you have to chew through it and everything. Whereas a protein shake is processed, but it's easy to absorb. You get the same amount of calories. You, you're not filled up. You're not satiated. So, and I understand like most people don't consider protein shake processed because it's not junk. But it's still processed. It's yeah. made in a factory. It's fucking processed. Protein bars too. Um, I would say to meet your calories with 
some processed foods. The reason I say that is because if you get to 2,500 and you're with all whole foods and you just have 500 calories left and you need to hit that 3,000 calories to gain mass or to hit your quota, I would rather you throw in a Snickers bar or something for two reasons. One, you need the calories because if we're trying to get you to eat those calories, it means it's the only way you're going to gain size or maybe your metabolism and thyroid are a little dysfunctional. We're trying to reverse diet, whatever it may be. I want you to hit those numbers. And if you restrict those type of foods and you just eat whole foods, it's only a matter of time before a binge is coming. Like that's basically your way of binging eventually. Even if it's simple stuff, like, like for me, like it's, it's reduced sugar ketchup. Like that's most people would look at that and be like, come on, bro. That's not junk. But if I didn't have those little things like the sugar-free barbecue sauce, reduced sugar Heinz ketchup, a beer now and then, I would hold out and feel like I'm restricting myself constantly. And I would say, fuck it. And I'd have two pizzas in a single week and binge and then feel like shit feel like a failure and, and you go through that vicious cycle and that's what people do. So let those things in. It's going to build to your adherence and it makes sure you actually get enough calories. That's why a lot of athletes, they try to eat so clean and then they're underperforming, they're under recovering. And I'm like, dude, you're under eating. And they're yeah. like, I'm eating so much food. Yeah. From a volume perspective, but like, dude, throw down a burger every once in a while. You need calories. You're burning calories like a machine because you're an athlete. Yeah. And then the other sense, if you're dieting, we could say like, no, nah, just do whole foods and under eat because we want to be in a deficit. But at the same time, if I would consider under eating in this regard, not by, not on purpose, right? Because if I set your calories at 1700 to lose weight and you're coming in at 1500 with all whole foods, I'm still going to be like, Hey, you got 200 calories left. Have like one of those uh, skinny cow ice cream sandwiches or something. So you feel like you're getting a treat. It's still within your calories. You'll still lose weight. We're meeting your quota because I didn't want you to go all the way to 1,500 yet. I wanted you at 1,700. There's a reason for that. And if you go below that, we're getting that diet fatigue too early, right? We're not supposed to be that low yet. There's a methodical reason for your calories. Um, And again, adherence long-term. You know what I mean? So I would go with... uh, I think a lot of people would be surprised by the answer, but I think I would go with the other one because to me, it's, it's the best of both worlds. You get as much of your calories What's in the other one, uh, under eating, but all whole foods versus hitting your calories and having a little bit of junk or processed foods. So you'd say, you would say add the junk or processed foods mm-hmm. and hit your calories because yeah. with that, you're still getting all your whole foods in there. You know yeah. what I mean? Because if you, if you're under eating by 200 calories with all whole foods, why not get 200 calories worth of processed foods? Now we get all the whole foods and we get a little bit of that flexibility, which we know is not going to harm your health. And when it comes to eating whole foods, I always say to people like with flexible dieting like this, there's a checklist. Did you get your fiber? Did you get your two to three servings of fruits and vegetables? Did you get your protein? Did you get your micronutrients, all that shit? Check off all the boxes. After that, eat whatever the fuck you want because eating more fiber is not going to help you. Eating more vegetables isn't going to be better. You just need your minimum amount. And once you get those vitamins and minerals, your, your box is checked. Yeah. I, th- I think from a generalized client perspective, I think the, the, the general thought would be to under eat, but use whole foods mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a diet mm-hmm. or in nutrition. Like, well, and people demonize processed foods and junk food, yeah. you know, and by no means am I condoning that they're healthy for you. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. But they're also not bad. They're not going to do anything negative if you've already got all the whole foods in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if somebody's hitting their calories in all processed foods, no, that's worse than under eating yeah. whole foods in my opinion. Totally. But if you get all those whole foods in and then you just have a little bit of junk to meet your calories, I think that's actually better in the long run. Yeah. I just think like if they're at 1500 and they're like, oh, I need it 1700. I'm, you know, they're thinking, okay, don't do it with 
processed foods, be, let's just stay at 1500, but they don't realize the methodical yeah. reasoning. Yeah. Cause they're like, well, I'm supposed to be eating less to lose weight. Right. Bingo. Yeah. But that's going to lead to those stress responses coming faster. Totally. And we're trying to like prolong adherence. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Good. All right, cool. Let's uh, go on to Jordan. Nope. That was the last question. MB fit. I am a new online coach, was in person training, but not sure how to price my plans slash coaching. I don't want to undersell my abilities, but know that I am still young and new at this, so don't want to overprice. Good question. I'm not going to give you numbers because I don't, you know, it's, yeah, you it's just not what I do, but um, I would venture out to say undercharge at the beginning. Yeah. You know, uh, the truth is, is even if your value is worth more than what you start at, nobody knows that. Undersell. Undercharge. Yeah, yeah, For yeah. your services, yeah. Oh, because yeah. Because even if, you, if you're super knowledgeable and you're like, I'm worth $400 a month. Okay, cool. Charge 200 because nobody fucking knows that. Yeah. If you're, if you're not well known and if you're new in the industry, what gives you the right, you know, besides your own personal opinion, opinion yeah. <laughs> to charge more? You got to, you know. Get some skin in the game and prove yourself. And I would rather somebody undercharge and trust. fill up the roster to get experience and then start charging a, a proper amount, you know. Um, but it, it's it's so hard to say, you know, because, like, prices for online coaching are all over the place, you know. it's And there's people who undercharge. A lot of people undercharge. There's also a lot of people who overcharge and don't deliver that much value. And that's the part that I'm, like, shocked by. I think there's a lot of people that charge a lot of money and the value is just not that great. And it's, like, shocking, you know. So, I would rather you undercharge and overdeliver until people start telling you like, dude, you are not charging enough. And when you get clients telling you that, then you go, okay, I'll bump it up. Because you earned that. You what know clients what I mean? saying that? Oh, plenty of people say that. Really? Oh, yeah. I've had that happen many dude, times. You need to charge me more. Yeah, absolutely. I've wow. said that to people. I, I get it. After but... they take my credit card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking for future clients. Yeah. So You need to charge one. I'm grandfathered in, right? I'm making, but... That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. Just let me see that grandfather word. Yeah. I mean, straight up, that's the first thing I told Andreas. Yeah. When he first started. And granted, again, I was his first client, yeah. technically, for mentoring when yeah. he actually made it a thing. And so when he told me his prices, I, he had like three packages. And I literally was like, give me the, the most expensive one, the top one. And then like after the, our, our first call, I was like, bro, you need to charge more. That's ridiculous. But again, it was like, I'm new in this space. Yeah. I've never done it. So I got to prove myself first. Now he charges a lot more. Yeah. So it's like. I think there's, I think there is value in that. And granted, he never charged me more. I'm grandfathered in. Yeah. You know, I didn't ask him to not, nah, but that's, that's part of it. Um, shit, I have clients that have been with me for like three years and sometimes I see their payment go through and I'm like, damn, yeah. you are lucky. Yeah. <laughs> that shit is way too low. Yep. Um, but they got in. It is what it is. Yeah. You got in at a good time and like, I'm, I'm going to own that forever. Like, but it's, it's, it's definitely something that you need to, you just need to you need to earn your stripes, yeah. you know, and I think you should do that with dignity. You know, you should push to get people to be like, damn, dude, you should charge more, you know, I or know. once you're at a point where you're making enough money to consider hiring a business coach of some sort, that's when you hire a coach and you're like, all right, I'm ready to build this thing. What do you think about my prices? And they totally. can fucking pick apart your business and go, yeah, you're undercharging, right? Or is, you is, could charge more, but you need to add this or improve this or do this to show that that value is worth it. Exactly. I was going to say, when you can identify all these ty different types of values you're providing to your clients, and I mean, I don't know how to, I'm not a business coach or a coach, but I don't know how to identify which ones of those add up to charging more, but mm -hmm. you can keep naming more and more and more of them. 
you should know. Yeah. I mean, a lot, some of it's system, some of it's experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, some of it's just credibility. Yeah. Cre- with credibility comes more of a guarantee, you know, and with credibility comes respect and with respect comes adherence because Trust. when somebody respects who you are as an individual and as a coach, their adherence to your plan will be greater just because there's that, that invisible respect that they feel towards you. You know, I've experienced that too, where I've hired certain people and it's not that they did something different than the other person did, but it's just because it's that person. Yeah. And I know I'm going to, I'm going to follow protocols better just because I have this respect level for them. You know what I, I mean? Um, so there's that too, but again, you got to earn that. Yeah. So I love it. All right. Uh, next one is going to be Danielle Del Conte. If I'm lifting five to six days a week, how much cardio should I be doing as well? Currently in a deficit, trying to lose body fat so I can start to build from there. Currently in a deficit, she said. And she's trying, what's her goal? Uh, She wants to lose, currently in a deficit, trying to lose body fat. Okay. And she's lifting five days a week. Yep. One? Five to six. I mean, I, I don't think you should, so like, it it really depends on how big your deficit is, how what your training was like before. Um, if we're using cardio to burn more body fat, I wouldn't put any in until you need to adjust, like create a bigger deficit and you don't want to reduce calories. So like there's two reasons to do cardio. In this situation, I would, I would push you to train five days a week, not six, and I would do a sixth day of conditioning just so you're working those energy systems too. You're working the aerobic system. It's just going to be better for your longevity, for your health, immune system, um, your energy systems, metabolism, how, how well you recover between training sessions and reps and sets and all that stuff. Um, it's just beneficial uh, from an athletic perspective. Um, now, if we're like, okay, but I'm plateaued, this is where you ask yourself the question, okay, do I want to reduce calories or add cardio? If the answer is add cardio because I don't feel like reducing calories, then you're just going to need to decide what you want to add and how often you want to add it. So a good starting place, for example, is two sessions of 30 minutes less. So two days a week, either in the morning if you're training afternoon or you can do it post-workout. Ideally, you're doing it away from your training session, four to six hours away. But if you need to do it post-workout, you can. And you get on the treadmill and you walk for 30 minutes. Um, and I always recommend take off your O-ring, take off your Whoop band, take off your Apple Watch, take off whatever counts your steps because if you – track your steps, what you'll notice is that your body will compensate in other areas and you'll notice a drop off. So the first thing you'll notice when you do these cardio days is that you get to the end of the night and you're like, holy shit, I did 30 minutes cardio, but I'm down two to 3000 steps compared to normal. Well, it's, it's, it's an adaptive mechanism your body does. It's like, just like metabolic adaptation. You reduce your calories. All of a sudden you notice your step count slows down because your body subconsciously, it's systems, physiology, smart. It'll just slow down your movement to avoid burning too many calories. So if you add cardio, that's the same thing as creating a deficit. And what your body's going to do to compensate is try to reduce meat. So if you cut calories, you want to continually track your steps to try to maintain your step count while being in a deficit instead of letting your steps drop with it because then the deficit's pointless because it's compensating. Yeah. But in this scenario, when you add cardio, just take it off. So like when I train, whether I'm doing my cardio day sessions or even yesterday, my finisher was fucking sucked. It was 10 minutes of sled pushes. Yep. Just nonstop. And I didn't wear my ordering because that would have been a ton of steps, but I needed to still hit my normal step count outside of my training. Otherwise it's pointless. Yeah. Um, it's not pointless, but when you're tracking steps and you're trying to avoid this metabolic adaptation during deficit, you got to make sure you do that. So you add two days of 30 minute lists and then you start progressing because you create a bigger deficit, right? And then maybe you plateau again. You can add another day. You can add two days. You can add 10 minutes each session instead. So it's 40 minutes a session. 
you kind of got to base it how you want to do it. The coaching strategy behind it depends on you, your daily schedule, what your training looks like, your deficit, your history. So I can't say for sure exactly how I would do it for you unless I was coaching you. But um, ultimately, I probably would only do one conditioning day for this, the the intensive purpose of performance improvement in, in aerobic health and ability. And then you just add less cardio as a way to create a bigger deficit if you don't want to drop your calories, which at a certain point I think is beneficial. You know, a certain point you keep dropping your calories, your training's going to suck. Muscle maintenance is going to suck. It's going to be harder. You might as well just do a little bit of cardio. You're walking on a treadmill. It's not too hard. So that's probably how I would go about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question comes from anonymous. They say, how does a person and a coaching relationship, especially if they've learned so much from them and don't, doesn't want to hurt any feelings. Basically exactly how you said it to me, except the hurt feelings part. Like, Hey, I I've learned so much in this relationship. I appreciate everything we've done. I think I'm ready to go. You know, like I, I think ready to spread my wings. Yeah. If, if it's a good coach, then yeah. they're not going to take that offensively. Like there's times where we, we, encourage people not to cancel but it's because they're not ready to so if somebody comes to us and they're like hey like i think you know it's uh it's that time and we're like you're not ready you know we'll we'll tell them we'll be like hey like my honest opinion is that i don't think we've done enough work for you to go sustain this intuitively on your own like i think we have some work i'd love to get on a call and talk to you about it um if it's if if they are ready they'll be honest with you you know they'll just say like you know you what we've done together has allowed you to do this. I'm stoked for you. The whole purpose of us doing this coaching was to make sure that we could get you to a result and teach you how to do it on your own, right? That's a good coaching. Good coaching tells people that. And I, we tell every single person that comes on board that same thing. Um, so if it's a good coach, I don't think you have to worry about it. I would just come into it like, hey, like I've learned so much. I got my result. I think it's time for me to spread my wings and fly. Um, thank you for everything you've showed me so that I can go on my own and do this the right way. You know, and at the end of the day, now you're giving them kudos of like, hey, I'm ready to go, but it's only because of what you've provided me with. Totally. Yeah. I think, like you said, if it's a good coach, they'll understand and not, not be offended. No. Absolutely not. Yeah, no. Um, I know, like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you've had many people do that, and I just heard the way you explained to them, like, what you just said. That's the point, <laughs> you know. There's some people who still need accountability, so it's like, in order for you to sustain it, I'm not going to teach you anything new you need to implement for a while, but maybe you just need accountability. That's okay. Yeah. You know, that's fine too. But um, for a lot of people, if they're ready to go and they tell me, I'm like, man, dope. I'm, I'm happy for you. Yeah. That's great. You know, that's that's the whole point of this. Um, so yeah, good coaches. I don't think you have to worry about that. For sure. All right. So the next question is going to be from Groovy. Make sure that uh, Groovy one. I'm trying to slowly gain muscle by being in a slight surplus, training four to f four to six times a week, eating 3,300 calories a day. I'm three weeks into it, and my weight is steady. Some days weight is higher, some days lower. I'm trying to get a gauge of my maintenance and if I need to up my calories. I feel hungry at times, though. If I feel hungry, should I eat and just up my calories now? So they're in the, the, the process of a reverse. Oh, okay. Is that what they said? They're trying to find their maintenance? Uh, I'm trying to slowly gain muscle by being in a slight surplus, training four to six times a week, eating 33 calories a day. I'm three weeks into it in my way to study. Some days weight is higher, some days lower. I'm trying to get a gauge yeah, of it up. my maintenance. The best, way to, the best way to do this is you only need two weeks to discover your maintenance. You're already there, right? So 
weigh yourself. So you did three weeks even better. You weigh yourself for three full weeks. You take every single day weigh in, then you calculate an average, right? What is your weekly average? What is your caloric average? That is your maintenance. Mm. So if you've gone for easy math, three weeks, and on average you're, you know, what maybe you were 199, then you were 201, and then you were 200. Okay, the average weight there is 200 pounds, right? You were bouncing around, but you ultimately you were 200 pounds on average, and you did your calories, and you were on average hitting 2,500 calories. 2,500 supports your maintenance. Yeah. So go from there and add 5% of calories to put you in a small surplus, start building muscle, you know? And at the same time, too, if your weight is stable and you're hungry while you're trying to build muscle, add a little bit of calories. Plain and simple. Um, and you just slowly build up your calories by like 3 to 5% increases, which is very small. Um, but if you want to just gain muscle and you don't want to get fat in the process, that's the best approach. Take a very small surplus, wait a few weeks, see if you're slowly gaining. Even if you're gaining a quarter to a half a pound every one to two weeks, that's a good amount of weight to gain as a natural lifter over time. You'll be steady. You'll be good. Dope. That's exactly what I would do. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, next one. Comes from Karen Nicole. She says, I like working out at home and have adjustable dumbbells to work with right now. Getting close to my max weights of the dumbbells for deadlift and squat, so I've got to get something heavier soon. For a home setup with semi-limited space but flexible budget within reason, what are the pros and cons of buying heavier dumbbell versus a barbell and plates? Which of which would you re- recommend? What was the adjustable dumbbells go up to? She say? doesn't say usually adjustable dumbbells go up to at least 50 there's some that go higher or 50 or 60 pounds um i would get a barbell yeah you know unless you're lifting so unless you're lifting you know 80 to 100 pounds on i mean that's so for me like i had the adjustable dumbbells in my garage and then i had 80 90 and 100 pound dumbbells and it's because i can do you know when i do reverse lunges for six to eight reps bulgarian split squats for six to eight reps goblet squats um, dumbbell presses. I'm, I'm using 80 to hundred pound dumbbells in my hands. So I need them. Right. Otherwise I would just got a barbell and I did have a barbell because now like the problem is, is like, you're never going to squat with dumbbells. Like you would squat with a barbell. You're never going to deadlift with dumbbells. Like you would deadlift with a barbell. You know what I mean? So you can't hip thrust like you can with a barbell. Like there's just certain things that just will never be as good with dumbbells. Um, but I'm a huge fan of dumbbells. So like if you already have adjustable dumbbells that go up pretty high and you can say that everything you do um, at six plus reps can be done with those dumbbells, press, overhead press, rows, split squats, RDLs, anything like that, just stick with those dumbbells and get barbell and plates gotcha. for sure. Um, you know, there's sometimes where people go, well, I could do dumbbell RDLs with heavier dumbbells, but that's the only lift because that's a typical one. I wouldn't go with dumbbells because you'd get more out of doing a barbell RDL. Now, a one-arm dumbbell row, that's one that, you know, in a chest support row, that's one that's hard to do with a barbell for some people. So that's always a great one. But um, usually adjustable dumbbells go up to 50, if not 60 pounds. So I think, you know, based on the, the uh, like if I just took average weights lifted by all the female population we work with, having dumbbells that go up to 50 or 60 pounds plus a barbell would be an ideal situation. All right, next one is going to come from D Fizzle. says, is the truth in the different body types and we train or eat according to different body types. Is there truth in different mm. body types? So the somatotypes is what she's talking about, which is uh, uh, ectomorph, mesomorph, and endomorph. Ectomorph is the tall, lanky, skinny person. The endomorph is the uh, more plump, round, 
a genetically overweight person typically in the, in the images and then a mesomorph is the more lean athletic like look um and the truth is no uh the only thing accurate about those is the current state you know mm-hmm. so i if you look at most of my childhood i was a endomorph or just like a hefty mesomorph but now anybody would look at me and they're like oh you're naturally a mesomorph because you have an athletic build well no it's because i lost weight and i build muscle, you know, I know tall people, I mean, fuck, look at Wiz Khalifa, Wiz Khalifa was the definition of an ectomorph, dude looked like an alien, now he's jacked, he looks more like a tall mesomorph, you know, so it's like, what did he do, well, he started eating well and lifting weights a lot, he built muscle, so I think that the only thing accurate about them is that ectomorphs are typically tall, but ultimately, your genetic predisposition can influence the results you start with, but it's not going to determine the results you end with. It can influence them. It can make things a little bit more difficult, right? If you're naturally really skinny, it can be hard to put on muscle simply because you have, uh, and I hate to say this word, but you're more frail. You have more frail and feeble joints and bones and ligaments and stuff like that. So it can be a journey to start lifting really heavy and dangerous. So you have to work on nutrition and like joint health and um, strengthening tendons and ligaments and stuff like that. Um, And eventually you can build muscle. You know, if you're an endomorph by nature, you're just, you know, you started in an overweight space, but if you lose weight, you're probably going to be a mesomorph, you know? So, um, I don't think there's any value to that. The only value in it is like, so they'll say, I think it's more about the way it was framed, right? So they basically said like, oh, if you're naturally tall and skinny, you're ectomorph, you need to eat more carbs and calories. That's true, but not because you're an ectomorph. It's just because you need to gain weight. And if you eat carbs and protein and train, you're going to put on muscle, good weight. Um, If you're an endomorph, they said you had to follow a low-carb diet because you probably have insulin issues. Also incorrect. You just need to be in a calorie deficit. You might have insulin issues, but if you go on a calorie deficit, you're going to improve that. And if you train, you're going to improve that. You're going to lose weight. Now you're improving all of the above. Um, So I I don't, I mean, I, I I don't think it's accurate. I mean, besides saying if you're overweight, you need to go on a calorie deficit. If you're underweight, you need to eat, be in a calorie surplus. But that has nothing to do with somatotypes. It yeah. was just kind of a way of putting people into categories to base like easy dieting. And I just, it's, it's very generalized, unindividualized and just not that effective in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Not, not backed by a lot of science. Yeah. It was a big thing back in the day. All right, cool. Uh, let's go to one from Aileen Farrell. Uh, this one says athletic greens. Yay or nay? Getting vegetables in at every meal, so not necessary to supplement? Question? Uh, I have a few thoughts on this. Number one, Genesis by Legion is what my go-to would be for you. Um, Perfect time to plug them. Uh, And I actually do really like Legions because it's got adaptogens in it, which is pretty rare. You won't find that. Um, Athletic Greens is a good product. Um, There's a million other Greens products on the market. My thing is this is... um, there's like trust factors to me in, in, uh, different products. Uh, I have more trust with Legion across the board. Um, I also don't think they're overpriced. I hear a lot about athletics being overpriced. That's my only downside about them. I hear a lot of good things about them. Um, but it's like a hundred dollars for a 30 serving thing, you know, and not to throw shade at them. Like, again, I know some of the people from athletic greens and they're great. And like this great quality source and everything, but I also know legions and I know how great that quality source is. And I'm like, why is that so expensive? It's kind of crazy. So I don't ever recommend it to clients because I feel bad recommending something that's so expensive. Um, I do however recommend Genesis by Legion to quite a few clients. Um, and the thing that separates theirs from the rest is those adaptogens. So I often talk about ashwagandha and some different adaptogens that can manage stress and hormone levels. 
excuse me, Legion Genesis, which is their greens product, is the only greens product I'm aware of that actually includes those adaptogens and some of the uh, adaptogens from mushrooms. Um, like I want to say it's there's Rishi and uh, Lion's Mane, and there's a couple in there um, which are super, super beneficial. And usually you have to eat mushrooms or take a mushroom capsule or drink a mushroom tea or something along those lines. Get it. So I like Legions for that reason, uh, as well as it also having all the enzymes, probiotics, micronutrients, all that stuff. Now, if you are eating greens in every single meal, do you need it? Eh, probably not. Um, will it benefit you? Yeah. I mean, especially legions because it has these adaptogens in it and these mushroom extracts, which most people do not get unless you're eating uh, like just a very diverse amount of mushrooms, which you're probably not. You know, yeah. most people don't. Um, but I, I, I'm one of those people too where I have mine every single morning. I still have enough fruits and vegetables throughout the day that I don't technically need it. But a little bit extra micros, a little bit extra enzymes, a little bit extra probiotics, not going to hurt me. And it starts my day out well. And I think, and we, t I talked to Dr. Caroline Leaf about this of kind of a placebo effect from it. When you jump into the, the beginning of your day and you have certain habits that promote a certain way of thinking throughout the rest of your day and week, it's a benefit. So if I wake up and I chug a full shaker bottle full of cold water and greens, I'm starting my day hydrating and filling my body up with micronutrients. You know what I mean? So it's kind of promoting a healthy mindset right out the gate. And I wake up, I open my one cabinet and it's literally like Legion protein, Legion creatine, Legion pre, Legion fish. Like it's all Legion obviously, but it's like the first thing I see in the morning is health. And then I drink a full fucking shaker bottle full of health. What am I thinking about the rest of the day? Health. What am I focused on? Health. Where am I headed? Health. And that habit alone for, especially people not like me because I live that, but people trying to get in this, I think it's super beneficial. Yeah. So I love that habit for clients. Um, and I prefer legions, but I think a greens drink in general can be beneficial for anybody. It's not needed for, for somebody who is already getting enough fruits and vegetables, but technically no supplement is. It's a supplement to help yep. you. Um, and obviously with that being said, Legion is the, the sponsor of these Q&A podcasts. So if you want to save 20% on any of your supplements and begin to earn points, you can get free supplements later on. You can head to buylegion.com slash boom boom and you can see what I personally take every single day and you can save that 20%. Um, and again, they have such a wide variety of, of evidence-based and lab-tested supplements that it, it's, it should be your go-to place for anything. Multivitamin, pre-workout, post-workout, protein, fish oil, joint health, collagen, like it literally has everything, gut health, sleep supplement, green supplement. They have all the bases covered and you could literally go to them and nobody else and you'd be straight. So um, awesome. you might as well save some money. Yeah. So head over to buylegion.com slash boom boom. And get some uh, points. And check that out. Cool. All right. We will go on to the next one from Anya Civic. Is there anything to do regarding training nutrition when dealing with hormone imbalance? Or, and or coming off birth control. Can you prevent possible weight gain due to low dresterone? It's a sex hormone. Le uh, and estrogen levels. When you said her name, I thought, like, it sounds a lot, I never noticed this, Honda Civic. Mm. Anya Civic. Yeah. But, um, okay, so can, is there anything with training and nutrition we could do to prevent hormonal decline, essentially, post-birth control? Is that what she's asking? When dealing with hormonal imbalance and or coming off birth control, can can you prevent possible weight gain? Yeah, I mean, fuck, this is a hard one to answer. It's so individual. Um, I mean, yes, you absolutely can. It just depends on the type of birth control. It depends on your history. It depends on your, your, your metabolic history and your metabolic profile as well. For some people, they come off birth control and there's just no issue. 
You know, um, for some people, you do need to really manipulate calories and macros. Sometimes you need to go into a deficit to combat with that. Sometimes you need to really double down on stress management, sleep, adaptogens, all these kind of things. There's some supplements that, some herbs and adaptogens that specifically help hormones that I'm not going to say because it's just something I don't feel comfortable prescribing through a podcast, but that can be beneficial. Um, and, and yeah, so there definitely is, you know, I've had a lot of clients that come off birth control and have battled with weight gain. And sometimes it's as simple as saying, Hey, we got to go into a little bit of a deficit while we figure this out. For some people, it's like, Hey, we're going to really be nitty gritty and detailed with stress management everywhere else. Since this stressor is something we can't really control, uh, too much. Uh, for some people, it's just manipulating calories and macros, managing training. And some people, you don't have to do shit. They're already yeah. so dialed in. You stop taking it and they're fine. Um, the type of birth control you're taking as well also affects the uh, the symptoms and side effects post uh, birth control and how long you've been taking it. You know, is it 13 years versus three years versus three months? Like you gave it a try and you decide not to. So it, it really depends on so many factors. Um, ultimately, most hormonal issues, period, are going to be resolved by managing stress, um, locking in a healthy diet, so getting enough micronutrients and the right macros. Um, for a lot of people, eating enough food, not under eating, but for some people, it's the opposite. So menopause, PCOS, sometimes you actually have to go into a bigger deficit um, to lose fat during those hormonal issues because uh, the hormonal issues aren't necessarily due to stress, but they might be due to genetics, your thyroid, Hashimoto's, menopause, things that you might not be completely in control of. Um, but it's, it's, it's stress management. You know, yeah. I see this all the time. It's like people making these guruism claims and stuff. And I, I'm not saying always, cause there are some specific hormonal situations where you just do need more specific intervention. But a lot of times it's, it's, Hey, are you getting enough sleep? Are you training hard, but not too hard and not too often? Are you eating enough? Are your macros right? Are you getting healthy foods? Like, okay, you're good. You know, it's just time and stress management and doing that consistently. A lot of people have hormonal issues are confused as to why, and they think they need some crazy detox or supplementation protocol. And I'm like, you're in a crazy big deficit. You're training six days a week and you barely get any fucking sleep. Train less, yeah. eat more, sleep more. <laughs> like problem solved, you know? So, um, more often than not, I think that is. I think that's the problem I have with like the hormonal stuff is that I think a lot of times people get carried away with it, you know. Um, but you know, there's times where it does matter, but it's 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 far less often than people believe. Yeah, it's an easy thing to point the finger at. Totally. So when it's like easier to fall back on. Yeah. Totally. If you're not losing weight, you, you're not going to blame your your lack of sleep or your adherence issues or your drinking on the weekends. You're going to yeah. be like, oh, you know, it's got to be those hormones. Yeah. But not totally. saying that's your specific issue, Anya, but um, especially if, if you're getting off birth control, there's going to be some things out of whack. And sometimes it's just a time thing. You know, your your body's got to recalibrate. Yeah. So a lot of times what I tell people is like, hey, you're you're not going to like love the symptoms you face right now, but let's just be patient. Let's manage stress. Let's just eat proper. And in time, things will shift back to normal. Yeah. You know? Cool. All right. We got one from Gavin DeZara. It says, how do you go about getting new clients to buy into your offer? Mm. I don't know if it means like how do you, like what kind of strategy do you, do you use to close deals? Um, well, not really if deals, we're talking, yeah, <laughs> if we're talking buy-in on a sales call, I'm not going to share that with you. I feel like that's like, you know, business coaching that totally. you should pay for, or you should go through a course on selling. Um, and uh, if you're talking about buying to my brand and to my message and to the philosophy of Taylor coaching method, you're fucking listening to it. Yeah. This is what we do. You know what I mean? It's, it's truly, it's, it's real. 
it's being real and authentic first and foremost, um, educating people and just giving value. Like there's, if you're listening to this podcast, I, I don't need to share with you what the buy-in strategy is because my free content, my messaging and the, the, the mission I have in this industry, that's my buy-in. Yeah. People buy into it because they believe in what we're doing and they know that that's something they, that they need. I don't need to convince you into it. I don't want to convince you into it. You know, like the people that work with us, they, they work with us because they trust us and they know they need help and they know we're the people to help them the right way. Um, it's, uh, yeah, so I, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, I think I th- if you lean too far on buy-in strategy, you get into this like, like clickbaity, over salesy thing that like you, you sell hard and promise a lot and under deliver. Yeah. You know, it's why like, and I get messages like this. This is the first time I ever shared it. I don't know if you saw it on my story, but it was like, Somebody who applied for coaching and got on a call with us and then went with a cheaper route and literally DM me and said, I regretted that. I wish I would have went with you guys. Like now they're in a contract with another company. Wow. And obviously I blanked out the company and I posted my story, but I've gotten that something similar that more plenty of times and I've always felt bad sharing it. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I am going to share it. I'm just going to blank out the name. I'm not hurting anybody. But to prove a point, like I, I don't need to like over promise or create some crazy buy-in process. I'm, we're the type that is going to educate, educate, educate. When you know you need help, you come on board and then we're going to over deliver because we we're actually good at what we we do. Yeah. You know, nobody leaves us saying, damn, I regret that. I wish I would have went with a cheaper company. Yeah. You just don't. Um, but yeah. Maybe we're not the right fit for you, but that's not a reason it won't be the right fit. Yeah. That we don't deliver. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, but that's the whole point too. If you don't have to create some crazy Brian strategy, they know that. Yeah. I don't get on the phone with you if you're not the right fit. Every yeah. person I get on the phone with is the right fit. Totally. You know what I mean? Cool. All right. We got one more coming from Jen Johnston. She says, considerations for supporting breastfeeding moms in post-pregnancy. Don't undereat too much. Um, I mean, you can go on a small deficit if you need to lose weight. Make sure protein is intake is high and nutrient nutrient intake, micronutrient intake is high. I mean, this and this sounds, I mean, this sounds vulgar, but it's the only way I can put it. The baby's literally sucking the nutrients out of you. Like, and when I'm, I say that, I mean, they're literally sucking you dry. And the doctors will tell you this too. Like, you need to double down on nutritious foods because the baby is trying to take out nutrients. nutrients. Yeah. So, like, I mean, literally sucking, obviously, because you're breastfeeding, but I'm talking about, like, taking your nutrients because they need those to form and develop their own cells and mitochondria and metabolism and skin and hair and nails and eyesight and their cognitive function. Um, so you just need to double down on healthy foods. Like, that's the biggest thing. I probably wouldn't recommend dieting or undereating. Um, if you do, it's a very, very small deficit with extra protein. But um, ideally, you're at maintenance, high protein, high, high micronutrient value in your food. Make sure you are not skipping on omega-3s. The omega-3 fatty acids and fish oil has been shown time and time again, especially during that breastfeeding time and the time of pregnancy, to be a huge influence on the neurological development of a baby and a fetus and a newborn. So do not skip that. You should be taking fish oil. You should be eating high quality omega-3 fatty acids, and you should be doing a good amount of uh, um, high, high protein uh, high quality protein sources as well, because obviously you need that uh, for the baby to develop. Protein is massively important for any type of tissue or f- cell or anything that's developing in general. Yeah. So high protein, moderate calories, uh, a lot of omega three fatty acids in your diet, and just healthy foods in general. Totally. Keep it simple. Yeah. Exercise. That's about it. Cool. All right, we got one more question here. It comes from Christina, Christiana. No, Christiana, food me. Personality one. Mm. Hey Cody, 
How did you meet your now wife? Mm. She slid in my DMs. Wait, I mean, okay. She did? Yeah. Oh. Shannon? Oh, my God. I think you met this Christine Hannah Carol. No. I was like, it's on That's what she public asked. Like, how, did I, how did I meet my wife? She is. Yeah, how did I meet my now wife? You just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she says, how did you meet your now wife? Yeah, because she's my wife now, but oh, she gotcha. wasn't when I met her. Touche. Go. Yeah, we didn't get married on the first date. Um, Shannon slid in my DM. She hates when I say that, but it's true. Um, I I was I was searching for a girl. Travis remembers it. I was living with him at the time. And uh, I went on date after date after date, actually, and then decided to give it quits because I was like, this is lame. These girls suck. <laughs> I'm not, this is not like, it's not cool to try that hard. Yeah. It never works. Like, yeah. if you're trying to that hard. And then uh, I was in, uh, uh, I was in Missouri. What was the town called? Springfield, Missouri, at the Physique Summit. Um, that's where I met Chris Bearcat, a couple other cool people. Uh, and I was there at a seminar by myself, and I was on, I was in Houston on my way back, because I, or Chicago or something, uh, not Houston, Chicago, sorry, Houston was my layover when I went to Florida, I used to go to a lot of seminars, but I think I was in, like, Chicago or something, I was on a layover, and I remember I was walking the terminal, and I got a DM from her on Instagram, and uh, I, I had gotten the DM from her the night before, and it just said, hey, and then I didn't answer, but she was drinking with her friend, and then yeah. the next day, she was like, I think she said, like, my bad, I drunk text you or something like that, and I was basically just let's go on a date yeah <laughs> i was like let's do it so i just started talking to her took her out on a date um nervous as hell sweated out of my shirt got pulled over on the way it was bad i got a speeding ticket on the way i was in that uh infinity g35 yeah. oh, yeah. it's a sick car got a speeding ticket it was hot as hell and i was really big about saving money back in the day so i didn't want to turn the ac on because it wastes gas <laughs> Which I've looked up the statistics on this, dude. It it does, <laughs> it saves you like no money. I would never admit that, dude. Oh, dude, like I <laughs> waste gas. Bro, I was a broke trainer. I was like, I'm oh just, I'm a penny pincher, man. Eating frozen tilapia and canned green beans every yeah. day and shit. <laughs> um, and uh, no AC for me. And Damn. so I sweated on my shirt. So I picked her up and I fucking. She says it's a wife beater. I'm like, I was not wearing a wife beater. I was wearing a white tank top. I would never pick you up in a wife beater. It's the same thing. No, a white tank top, like a nice white tank top. You know, like looser fit, not a Hanes undershirt wife beater that's skin tight. Okay, okay. Um, that would just be too much. Yeah. You know, comb over. I just, I just remember you came home from that trip and you're like, you were, I wouldn't say frequently, regularly, kind of just going on some dates and stuff. And mm-hmm. like, look, you said, trying yeah you know and you came home and she's like this is hell of a lot easier than what i've been doing she dm me yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> and then after the first date dude i was all in yeah i was all in and she uh she was funny because she fucking she'd probably kill me if i told her that uh told this but she uh I, I made reservations at el gaucho i think it was so like i was like i'm gonna impress this girl as you're a pe- penny pincher yeah because i would spend money on shit like that bro i had like nice ass watches yeah. 20 inch rims yeah but I was like eating dollar food at the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just, I was just, I was specific about how I spent my money. Okay. But uh, I want to say it was El Gaucho or maybe it was that, uh, that Brazilian spot in Tacoma, but it was a nice ass restaurant. Totally. And I picked her up and she was like, no, nah, I'm not going that far with you. I don't know you. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's like, we're going to the Mexican restaurant down the street, Puerto Varada. Yeah. Cause it's, it's within a mile radius oh, yeah. of my apartment. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> this girl's crazy. Yeah. 
And then, uh, and then she proceeded to ask me every question I would not want to answer on a first date. Yeah. You know, have you ever done drugs? Have you been arrested? Have you cheated? I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. First date. <laughs> oh, dude. Holy moly. Yeah, put it all, all out on the table. I was like, if she likes me after this, she, I ordered a, a family platter fiesta. And then I tried to order a Moscow mule at a Mexican <laughs> restaurant. And the lady just looked at me and I'm like, uh, and Chan's like, you want a mojito? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> I felt oh, so stupid. That was funny. But I sold her. Yeah. She was in. So I'm actually, uh, I think I'm going to get her on the podcast. Did I tell you about that? She came up with the idea. No. When we were in Cannon Beach for my birthday, she yeah. was like, I think I want to do a podcast. Because people always ask you about like entrepreneurship and balance of family. I think it'd be cool to have uh, like a wife, an uh, entrepreneur's wife's opinion on it. So they don't just hear like your fluff. And I was like, I agree. Your fluff? Yeah. And I was like, I agree. I think like a lot of people... I think uh, that would be really cool. I think it's different when you can hear both perspectives, you yeah. know, and like the, the, the hardships and the, the pros and you know what I mean? Um, and she, I mean, she's so nervous. I was like, I'll bring a bottle of wine in and we'll just sit at the, the table one night and It'd just sick, you know? And I was like, Travis will edit it. So if you feel like you don't want it to go yeah. out, we don't have to go out. And she was like, all right, I think I'd do that. That'd be really cool. I've, I've been asked a bunch of times to get her yeah. on. So I think people would like it, but, Dope. um, would be fun. Yeah. So, um, we'll, we'll, Stay tuned for that one, guys. Uh, I'm happy to have you back, Travis. There's another QA, Q&A and wraps. Have a great weekend, guys. And uh, we'll catch you on Monday with our Mindset Monday podcast.